I got a new Bible for today. Big day, right? I was worried I wouldn't be able to read it because it might be a little dark. But thank God, it's enough light. Amen? The light of Christ. Hey, isn't it fitting that we would have a service like this uh, in a setting like this? I mean, really, think about it for a minute. I mean, this is a place that we often will come and we will celebrate the thrill of victory. And it's also a place that we will see uh, occasionally the agony of defeat. Well, Easter Sunday really is. It's the, uh, it's the thrill of victory from the agony of defeat. And it's been 2,000 years since that victory took place. And for many of us, we think, well, this is how the story ends. And this is how everybody thought the story was going to end. And, you know, when Jesus came here, oh, yeah, he's going to die, but he's going to be crucified for our sins. But, hey, good news, on the third day, he'll rise again, and we're going to have that victory. Now, when Jesus walked the earth, he told his disciples that face-to-face. He wanted to make sure, okay, fellas, here's what's going to happen. Uh, here's, here's, here's the game plan, all right? He gave them the game plan. He laid it out. He says, we're going to go to Jerusalem, uh, and when we're there in Jerusalem, uh, they're going to arrest me, uh, they're going to crucify me, uh, and in three days, I'm going to rise from the dead. And they looked at him and said, uh-huh, uh-huh, right, uh-huh, right, whatever. And they really didn't get it. They didn't get it until the end. They thought that Jesus' death hanging on the cross was really the agony defeat. I mean, they thought it was just the agony defeat, but instead, instead, it was the ultimate, you ready for this? I got two football coaches here, maybe more, two I know about. Instead of the ultimate agony defeat, it was the ultimate hail Jesus. Not hail Mary, but hail Jesus And out of nowhere, victory was gained. I'm going to read to you a story out of God's Word. And it's a story uh, that tells us about the fact that when Jesus was resurrected, even when rumor had it that he was alive, there were still people who were like, what? This feels more like defeat. How can this be victory? I'm going to read uh, Luke 24. If you... uh, Brought your Bible blessings to you, thinking you could read it. Looks like God's provided enough light. I'm reading uh, Luke 24, 13 through 35, then 44 through 49. This is a famous section of scripture. It's called the Road to Emmaus. And what we're going to have is a couple of guys walking uh, from Jerusalem who had witnessed what had just happened uh, to a place called Emmaus. And and Jesus shows up, and let's see, see what happens. Let's be mindful this is God's very word. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were walking with each other, uh, and they were talking with each other about these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself, the resurrected Jesus, drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, hey, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? As they stood still, looking sad, then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know these things that happened uh, there um, in these days? And he said to him, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, 
mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. Now listen to this. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day. Wasn't there something about the third day since these things happened? Moreover, some of the women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who, were, who went with us went to the tomb and found it, as the woman had said, but to him they did not see, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish one, and slow of heart to believe, all that the prophets have spoken. And he says, Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning way back at the beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the thing concerning himself. So they near, drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is towards evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with him. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, and he blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened up the scriptures? And they rose the same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told them what happened had happened on the road and how he was known to them and the breaking of the bread. Verse 44. Then he said to them, Now Jesus is now with his disciples and speaks directly to them. These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, that's the Holy Spirit, but stay in the city until now, until you are clothed with power from on high. Let us pray. Father, what happened there is that you opened their eyes to see who Jesus really is. Would you come, and would you open every one of our eyes, would you open up our hearts so that we too can see the truth and the beauty and the glory of a Savior named Jesus and the reality that because He lives, we can live too. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Again, we can see from this text that, that no one saw it coming. I mean, here, here are two of His disciples. Here are two who will say, But we had hoped. We had hoped that this Jesus was going to redeem Israel. They had an expectation who Jesus was. They had an expectation of what Jesus was going to do. I mean, he was going to make all things right. He was going to drive out those nasty Romans and he was going to establish Israel again as the most prominent nation on earth. But Jesus says when he came, I've come with a different kind of kingdom than one on earth. I've come with a kingdom that's from God. 
If you remember, when Jesus stood before Pilate, and Pilate was really nervous about what was about to happen, and Pilate was really looking for a way to release Jesus, he came back to Jesus, he says, now, now, now they say you're a king, tell me a little bit more about this kingdom of yours. And Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. I have a kingdom of heaven. If my, my kingdom were for this world, my, my disciples, they'd be fighting for me. But instead, there's something else. You see, these guys in the road to Emmaus, they, they just didn't really understand who Jesus is and, and what he was doing. They expected something different. And what happens is, in the midst of their, their agony, I mean, here they are walking on this, this, this seven-mile journey to Emmaus, and they're just like, oh, we just had so much hope. We just thought maybe this was the one from the agony of defeat. Jesus says, no, fellas, this is the thrill of victory. This may taste like defeat, but this is not defeat. This is victory. And Jesus says, was it not necessary that I must suffer? Was it not necessary that the Christ must suffer before entering his glory? Here's what he's saying. Guys, for me to rescue sinners like you, for me to, to embrace the broken like you, I had to be broken too. I had to become like you. I mean, to rescue you, the shepherd had to be slaughtered for the sheep. Was it not necessary that I had to lay my life down to give you life? And then what he does is, is so beautiful. I mean, I love the fact that Jesus doesn't say, now, hey, let me tell you, the story up to my point, to my life, it doesn't matter. No, he says this. Let's go back to the very beginning. Let's go back to Genesis and Moses. And let's go back to all the prophets and the Psalms. And let me tell you this. Everything pointed to me. All of history. All of history was speeding to the reality that God loves us and he's not going to give up on us. All of reality is that God wants a relationship with us. All of history pointed to the fact that God was going to make a sacrifice that worked, that really forgave our sins, that really opened up heaven. Jesus says, you know all that blood, all that slaughtering of animals? I mean, what was that all about? All that slaughtering and that spilling of blood because Scripture says you can't have sins forgiven unless you shed blood. And all those bulls and goats and sheep, that blood didn't work. It just pointed to me. What looked like the agony of defeat is really the thrill of victory. That's the reality of what Christ has done for us. And now the victory is ours. There's three things I want to leave you with to think about of the victory of Christ. One is this, a victory that covers our past, our present, and our future sins. A victory that covers us and makes us righteous and whole. When I was just married, Katie and I were married nearly 25 years, I guess 26 years ago. Uh, we got married here in Central Florida, and I took my wife to New Jersey to start our love. Is that not love? <laughs> so we, we packed up a U-Haul trailer, a U-Haul trailer with her stuff in a little corner left for my stuff. And we started our life together. And we jumped on I-95 and we made our way up to New Jersey. Now, that's a, that's a way that I've been traveling a lot. When you grow up in upstate New York and you go to school in Florida, you, you, you've been a lot of times on I-95. And we reached in South Carolina through pouring rain. Uh, we got to a place called Walterboro. 
Now, Walterboro, I mean, probably means nothing to you unless you've been on I-95. You might be able to recognize the name. I said, Katie, I know it sounds crazy, but I had the absolute best burger uh, at Whopper, uh, the Whopper at Burger King I've ever had in my life. Right there in Walterboro, South Carolina. And I listen, nothing was too good for my wife, my new wife. I'm taking her to Burger King on my honeymoon, all right? So because it's raining, we pulled around where it says trucks and RVs and decided, you know what? We're making good time. Let's just go through the drive-thru and let's just keep going. I assumed that we had cleared everything we need to clear. So I pull up. Don't order back where they uh, take the order. I just pull up right to the drive-thru to get my world-famous Whopper. Really nice drive-thru. It had a nice little awning that hung over. It was a wooden awning that hung over uh, just to make sure that everybody's kept dry there. And it's, you know that, that the, the, there's a cab top, and then up beyond that, there's actually the top of the, roof, the uh, truck? Well, as I drove through the drive-thru, wham! I mean, single-handedly, knocked that thing down. I mean, it was amazing. The light was woo 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 The lady comes running to the window, says, I don't know what to do. This is my first time. I rolled down my window. It's my first time, too. <laughs> I'll never forget a South Carolina uh, state trooper uh, came to the door uh, wearing a complete yellow t- head-to-toe rain gear, uh, buttoned up to the top. His hat was pulled down. And I knew that I was in trouble because I was about ready to hand him a New York State driver's license. <laughs> so I thought maybe I'd break the ice a little humor. I rolled down my window and I said, uh, officer, what some people do for a burger. <laughs> he just looked at me and said, son, most people go inside. <laughs> That's a good point. You know, hauling around your stuff could be dangerous, I found out. When you haul around your stuff, uh, it could cost you. And when Jesus came, he says, I've come to forgive your sins because I don't want it to ha- haunt you anymore. I, I want to unhook you from that which plagues you, shame and guilt. I want to unhook that, that, that U-Haul trailer full of your junk so that you could truly live. You see, it's a, it's a victory that covers our past. It's a, it's a victory that empowers our, our present uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, it says in verses 57 and 58, it's talking all about the resurrection. And for those of you who love Jesus and are coming back, that's our text, by the way. Uh, and I know there's many of you who will be there. And if you're not, he loves you anyway. But anyway, let me get to the point. It's a victory that empowers our present. And here's the reality. He says this in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, that now what we do in the Lord and for the Lord, because of the fact that Jesus lives and we have victory in him, what we do for him is, is not in vain. It's not futile. It'll last. It'll endure. It matters. And what he's saying is this to us. It's amazing. Because of the resurrection, your sins have been unhooked from you. And not only that, your present life has purpose and meaning. Today, it really does. You know, it's spring break for uh, many students. Either you're probably coming right back from it or Orangewood students are starting it. Uh, What kind of beachgoer are you? Uh, I can't go to the beach and not be doing something, right? But uh, are you a, a sandcastle builder? Uh, I've seen some amazing sandcastles at the beach. Have you not? But how long do they last? Till the next good tide. And that's about it. I mean, you can spend hours building the most incredible sandcastle on the beach, and at the end of the day, you want to say, really, was it worth it? Maybe you had fun. But at the end of the day, what you've done, it's not going to stay. It's going to be washed away. It's one good wave away from not ever being seen. And don't you live your life sometimes and say, am I one good wave away from it not mattering? 
Does it really not matter? And so what Jesus says is through this victory is that our lives aren't sandcastle lives. That what we're building matters to God. And what we're building, what we do for Him, will last for God. Isn't that good news? You're not just one way, a wave away. That a victory that really does empower our present. He says this, But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your work, your labor is not in vain. It's a victory that guarantees our future. Um, a movie that uh, uh, came out with Tom Hanks uh, that many of y'all are familiar with, Apollo 13. It wasn't a great movie. I mean, it's an amazing story of, of man's ingenuity, by God's grace, of how in the midst of the most terrible situation in space, uh, you could try to get your way back home. Got permission to tell this. And I went to the movie with Katie, and she didn't know the ending. She didn't know the ending, so the whole story had a completely different feel for her. I mean, are they going to make it home? But I knew the ending. I know that there's going to be a splashdown in the Atlantic, and they're going to make it home safely. So no matter how bad it looked, uh, the reality is they get home, right? I don't know about you. How about Argo? Did you know the Argo story? Uh, I, I didn't know it. I mean, I lived through it, uh, but how we got the hostages out of Iran. Again, I watched that story not knowing the ending, completely different than those of you who probably knew the ending. Well, the victory we have in, in Christ Jesus guarantees, listen, it guarantees the ending. Let me read to you a couple of verses. 1 John 3, and I want to read to you verse 2, but 1 John 3, 1 is so good, I got to read it. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we, knuckleheads like us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. And here's what I wanted you to hear. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. He showed us the future. He guaranteed the future. We're going to be like Jesus. Verse 20, uh, Philippians 3, 20 and 21 says this. But our citizenship is now in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Here's what it's basically saying. When Jesus walked around on earth and over 500 people saw him and he said, touch me and, and see, I'm truly alive. What he was doing is he's showing us the future. He's guaranteeing the fact that we will live because he lives and we will be like him. Hail Jesus. Hail Jesus. Not a Hail Mary, a Hail Jesus. Because he brought us the ultimate victory. A victory that covers our past. If you are in Christ, listen to these, this great news. Your sins are forgiven. And we know they are because the tomb was empty. The Father accepted the sacrifice of the Son for you. Because of today, you are forgiven. The victory that covers your past. A victory that empowers your future or your present. What you do now uh, matters and a victory that guarantees your future. One day we will be like him. And God's people said, Amen. let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the victory that your son Jesus won for you and for us. That out of what was seeming defeat, Jesus 
resurrected from the dead and gave to you and to us the ultimate victory that we now don't have to be attached to our sins like a bad U-Haul trailer that's going to just cause us harm and, and wreck everything that we do and where we go. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood that has covered our sins and paid the price. Thank you, Father, that you accepted that sacrifice. We know you did because the tomb was empty and we are now set free. We thank you that we don't have to now build our lives like sandcastle lives that are one big wave away from being washed away. That what we do for you and in you and through you, it matters and it'll stand. And Jesus, thank you that you've guaranteed our victory. You've showed us the the future. That because you live, we will live. Because you live, we will be like you. Thank you for that ultimate victory. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.